All the episodes you will hear on this podcast are the audio versions of the video content on the Great Light Studios YouTube channel. If you would like to watch the video version of this episode, you can find a link in the show notes. For those of you who may not know, I do rely on monthly financial supporters to continue doing everything I do through this platform. If you are blessed by the resources produced through Great Light Studios and want to help support me in continuing to do all this, then you can find information about how to in the show notes of this episode. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast? Positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people. With all that said, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Over and over and over your whole life, Joseph Smith is a true prophet. This is the only true church. And so I got to the point where uh, I'm okay with that not being the only true church. I think stage two that a lot of ex-Mormons don't realize on more of a subconscious level, it's kind of a, a reaction to the first premise. Well, then if that was the only true church, and I believe that so strongly, then no other church can be true. You think that you've undone your, your Mormon indoctrination when you get to that point, but you kind of have to go through, just keep going and and then realize, oh, the, I, I still believe that no other church can be true because of that. This is the only true church indoctrination. So I was I was born into it. Um, my family's was LDS for for a while. Um, there was we went to a, a family reunion that was um in utah once and and there's a a great grandfather i had and he had a couple of wives and there, there was a um so so for some generations and i don't have a i don't have a very accurate uh idea of when how long exactly that was i'm not yeah it's not been something that i followed carefully or anything but right. uh but so we were born into it uh or i was born into it and um we lived in oregon and there was, um, so I, I guess when I was my earliest years, I remember um, just growing up going to church, but we, there was, you know, times where we were more faithful attenders and, and not. And so I really think that uh, probably my early teens is kind of when my dad got serious. I think he got a calling. He was like an executive secretary or something. And, and, um, so that probably doesn't mean anything to you if you don't know anything about the structure, but, mm-hmm. um, so he was like a secretary to the, the bishopric. And so he was, so, you know, a high up position. Yeah. In the, in the local, in the local body. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so that really got him more active. So from about that time, early teens, maybe preteens, we, we were going, attending pretty regularly. And I was involved in Boy Scouts through our church and, and that kind of stuff. So, and then I, I did go to, um, I go to seminary, I, I did go to seminary um, during my high school years. So that's, if you're not familiar with that, it's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily seminary like you would think it was. It's just a, a like a, a lot of schools will do it where it's a period during the day where Mormon LDS kids will go and just have one class. And ours was before school. So we were we would get up and and go before school in the morning to seminary. So um, 
I went through that time. Um, and I think, so I tell, I often tell my kids when we're, we're discussing whatever, anything theology, um, it seems like everybody that hangs out at my house wants to discuss theology and, uh, or maybe that's me. I, but, uh, <laughs> but I will, but I'll tell them all the time that I'm a, I'm a seminary educated theologian, but, um, but it was, uh, it was kind of a, a zero hour class, I guess, if you will. And, um, so I went through that in my high school years and that was kind of the, the end. Well, because it was the beginning of the end, I didn't really last throughout my high school years. And some of that was just adolescent rebellion or, or whatever. But, uh, but really some of the things I encountered in, in seminary kind of were the, were the crux that of the issues that I couldn't get over and why, why I wound up leaving. So when you say seminary, is this like a LDS version where they're kind of filtering the, 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 the sort of information and the type of classes you are attending? Is this, is it LDS seminary or was it? Yeah, it was, it's a, it's a LDS seminary. Um, okay. and, it's, and it's, uh, so we went through, so one year we went through, um, we went through church history, LDS church history. One, one year, um, we went through the book of Mormon one year. We went through, um, I think it was essentially like the, the doctrine and covenants, but, um, Joseph Smith prophecies and, and a couple of the early prophets. And then, um, my senior year, the one that, that now I wish I really would have gone to would, was the, the Bible itself. And, um, yeah. and I, by that time I was, I was not uh, real consistent. So I was, uh, but that's, that's kind of the picture that I would like to see is how, what, what exactly it, it, are they doing with the Bible? Because I feel like so much of that um, is in conflict with, with things that they believe. And that's, yeah. that's the part of my seminary that I missed out the most on. But Yeah. So I would, I would, you know, obviously we'll get to uh, some of the things that made you start to really question it all. Um, the fun part of it, I think, but what I guess like even, even kind of, to get an idea of where you're you're coming from here, I guess, because we'll have other likely other Mormons that will, you know, likely watch this. And so I just curious, like, what, why do you think this is important to talk about? I guess, like, why do you have a desire to, to talk about this now and share about it in, in a public platform? Hmm. Um, well, that's a good question. To be honest, uh, like my first, my my first reason was I just saw that you you were interested in that, and I kind of liked what you were doing, and you wanted to interview an ex Mormon, and so I thought, well, I, that's I have that background, so I, I could provide <laughs> that. Um, I think I think that uh, it would be good for for people who are questioning or, or looking at that, I guess the, what well, kind of what they would say about Christianity in general, there, there is some measure of truth there and, and there's very mm -hmm. sincere people there. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they're, I think they're misled if that doesn't sound too cruel, 
Um, I think that, that they're not being allowed to look outside the, the box like this. This is where truth is. And you're allowed to look in here. And um, and I think that that keeps them from a full understanding of who Jesus Christ was and, and what he did for them. And um, and then I, I just think that there's there's enough there that's just an error and. Um, and whether it's consciously like I w was in seminary where where people are actively dissuading you from looking for truth and, and trying to figure out how those things fit together or or just unconsciously through we're just not going to look over here at this stuff. Um, you're I think you're being being held away from from following yeah. those those paths to truth and um and and so i don't know i had never really planned on doing this on a public platform um mm -hmm. so i i guess i didn't really have like oh i want to get my story out i don't feel like it, i don't feel like it's anything spectacular i guess it's just mm -hmm. was my life and so that's uh yeah so it, it just kind of seemed pretty mundane to me, but, uh, but if I could, if I could help, you know, somebody else that's questioning and, and, and I think there's a couple of issues that I see that I've had to work through in my life that, um, that are not obvious when you come out of that. Um, I would like to be able to help somebody. Yeah. So, did you did you do did you stay in long enough i guess to do your two-year mission no i didn't i have some uh i do have some friends that did that's that's about the time that uh, that's about the time that i met a girl and so okay um so i just i and and i was kind of i was still in it i guess i mean there's kind of a realm of people that are that are um non not active i guess they would be like inactive mormons like my, my i don't think my dad's gone to church for two decades that i know of but he would still consider himself a mormon so i guess i i fell in that category where i felt like that was something that i should do kind of but um i had this whole life and i was gonna have to leave it and and yeah everybody knows that when you leave for your mission and you have a girlfriend that it's not very long before you get the letter that says um, you don't anymore. And so, and uh, I ended up marrying her and I found, so she was the right one. So I, I, I didn't want that to happen. So, so explain that. Do you get a letter? Uh, does that mean the church would like make you break up? <laughs> no, there, there was not a lot of, um, there was, I don't, I don't remember see, hearing or seeing in, any, major issues with that, but, but, uh, just more along the lines of, uh, I knew several guys that before they went on their missions, they had girlfriends that when they came back, they were going to get married. And, um, and a few months in, oh, I see. The, she decided she wasn't going to wait for him. So, uh, I see. Was called referred to them as dear John letters because it was yep. pretty common. So I see that makes sense. Okay. So <clears throat> did you, do you feel like you were ever, you know, you, you were raised LDS. Did you, 
I feel like the that belief system, like it's something that you ever really made like your own. Did you ever kind of embrace it in like more of a personal way or is it more kind of like this is just what, you know, your parents believed, your family believed. And so you just were kind of, you know, walking in that line, not having put much of your own uh, heart into it, I guess. I think um, I think to a certain to a certain extent, um, I, I was trying to do that. And I think that's, that was kind of the, what set me on the path that uh, eventually got me out of that. Um, and so there was, uh, <clears throat> because the, the, I encountered some, some contradictions when I was in seminary that, that mm-hmm. did bother me. And, um, and so, I did try to, I guess, looking back, I can see that I I was trying to make that belief my own and I needed to kind of fit in my head and, and work together. And I was having some, some issues with, with doing that. So Mm -hmm. coupling that with, with being a young adolescent male, it's a little hard to separate, you know, just one to go off and be your, your own man and, and that too. But um, so yeah. I don't think I don't think I ever got to where where I was like, yes, this is this is me. You know, I've completely separated from my parents. I think a lot of that was was just growing up in the church. Um, and, and there's some of there's some of that stuff that is really just repeated and ingrained in you. I mean, this is the only true church. And Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. Those things are like repeated so often. And it just, it's hard to separate. Was that just my belief? Did I, did I have to work through that because I heard it a million times over the course of my, you know, 16, 18 years? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the, I don't, I don't know if this is actual terminology that, that um, you guys would use, but the burning in the bosom, the, the witness of the spirit. Did you ever do that? Did you ever pray to know, you know, is the book of Mormon true? Did you ever have any kind of experience surrounding that, that whole area? Yeah. And, and that, I don't, I don't know. I feel like some of the things have changed and, and um, I, I feel like they're trying to, to mesh a little bit better with Christianity as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, that, that is terminology that, we'd use, you know, burning in the bosom and, and you should read and ask if these things are pray are true. And, and, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I don't remember like a specific experience where I, where I did, um, off the top of my head, but I, I do know that there were times where I would be like, you know, yeah, I know this is true because I, I felt the spirit and, and I was yeah. moved and So, yeah. Um, and, and that's a, that's a real, that's a real thing and a real, I, I think that's, I think there's a something, something in that, that, that really grabs people. And I don't know, mm-hmm. um, I have, what do you think that is? Uh, I mean, like from your perspective now, or do you have any thoughts on that? Cause that's kind of an interesting, I guess, phenomenon, if you want to call it that, that happens within not only Mormonism, but obviously there's. I'm sure people within Islam and other religions will, will claim to have that sort of 
emotional experiential thing that that supposedly confirms to them the truth uh, of what they're believing. I mean, so looking looking on that now, do you have any thoughts about about that? What that is, or, or why that happens? Um, I think I think that there's a I think that we have this this uh, desire for built into us. I think that, that God built us to be in relationship with him. And so I think that we desire a, a level of spirituality and connection with God. And I think that, um, I, I don't know, I don't know why I have, I, I guess I kind of have some thoughts, but um, why that works. But I think mm-hmm. that, but I think that on a, on a, it, it, it looks, when I look around, I see, you know, that people desire that level of spiritualism and some new age thing or, or Buddhist thing or Islam thing or, or LDS thing. Um, I think we want that connection. And so I don't know if we just drum that up within ourselves. I don't know if there's an, I, I kind of am inclined to believe that there's some, some outside forces that work there that, um, that are helping you let that emotion drive what you're perceiving as true. And, um, but I think that it plays on, on the, the God shaped hole that we have in our heart. We're, we're made to be in relationship with our creator. And, and so we desire that even if, um, even if it's in the wrong places. And I think we're, we're prone to look in the wrong places for that. Even, yeah. But, um, but I feel like it plays on that, that desire. And so, you know, this is this is um, when I look around at the, the the people in church on Sunday morning in, a, in an LDS church, and everybody's dressed nice and, and ties, and and it, it kind of looks like this image that I have in my head that church should look like. And then um, you're giving me scripture that seems biblical enough when you you know when you kind of coming at it it just it seems like scripture and so yeah you kneel down and ask if this is true and and i get this warm fuzzy feeling that i can't explain and so and so that that must be true and and this kind of that um i i guess i guess it's experiential but but maybe just emotionally driven because it 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 lets in my experience, it lets me disconnect a lot of, of things like that doesn't really make sense or I don't see how that fits together, but I I don't care either. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, and I think that just lets us not look into why, why doesn't that fit together? Shouldn't it, shouldn't we find evidence of, of, uh, people and wars and all of these things that are in the, in the book of Mormon, somewhere on the American continent because that's where it took place and and um but but I'm willing to just overlook that because of my because I had that experience and and right. my emotions are having that truth it it kind of becomes like the the ultimate fuel of cognitive dissonance where yeah. or, or just the fuel to the to, it's, it, it becomes the rug basically the 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 massive rug which you're just either sweeping stuff over, just covering up these questions, these doubts, these contradictions. It's like, well, this, this is here. 
I don't have to think about all this stuff. And so, um, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And, you know, I, I don't know, this, this might be controversial to some people. I don't know, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to say it anyways. Like I don't, I, I would have a very difficult time looking at all these different people having these experiences and making this hard dogmatic statement of, Oh, well, this was, you know, this must've just, it was demonic, you know, demons were giving you that experience or there was no actual connection with God happening there because you're in this false system. You know, I, I think was some of it false and self-influenced. Probably a lot of it is, I think what you're saying is, is yeah, I, I agree. Like so much of it is just self fueled by emotion and just even confirmation bias. Like you, you're going into this wanting to have that experience. Um, But I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I, I don't think that, I don't think that God waits to work in people's lives and to speak to them and to try to communicate and draw them and, and move in their lives until they're no longer in a cult, you know, or they're no longer in this false system. And now, and now you're going to see God show up in different ways. So all that to say, are there some Mormons who are genuinely, you know, they have a fear of the Lord. Yes. All their, their information is faulty, but they're, they're wanting that connection with God. Um, Is it completely impossible that God might actually, you know, give him a measure of light of revelation of experience. Um, I, I, I would have a hard time just saying, no, God would, God would never do that for a Mormon. You know, God, would, I mean, I just think there's so much dogmatic, pious, religious uh, arrogance that comes along with this. And so many people that this is kind of the context that I've um, some of the context I've come up from in, in that I think just has a bit of a, I don't know with those things, it just makes too many hard lines, hard, hard black and white distinctions between who God will and will not, you know, take interest in. Um, and so I, I don't know if that makes sense. And I, I, there's probably so many things that I would need to clarify about what I'm not saying about what I just said, but I, nope. I just think God's, you know, this experience, what I guess I'm more saying for Mormons who have had that, like maybe, Maybe that was God actually speaking to you, but wanting you to continue pursuing him and truth um, in an honest way that would lead you, you know, maybe to uh, a way of thinking that isn't full of all these contradictions uh, where you'd have to continue to throw the rug over. So, sorry, I, I kind of cut you no, off there. But go ahead. No, that's all right. And, uh, it's just your, it's your channel. So <laughs> just, but no, I think, I think you're exactly right. I, I have, um, uh, for instance, I guess I have a couple of examples. I have a, I have a, um, a cousin that we will discuss some of these things once in a while. And, um, and he's, he's not really like a, he's kind of, he's not a leader in his local church, but he's got some teaching roles and some things that he does. So we will discuss some theology and stuff. And, yeah. um, and, well, obviously we won't agree. And when, when he's done, it's obvious when he's done because, because he just, he's like, look, the, it, no, all of this doesn't matter. The Jesus Christ, that is, that's the point that I'm making. I mean, and we both agree on that Jesus Christ. And, and so 
how do you how do you really argue with somebody where there's all these fine points and we don't agree and I don't see how you're working things together here but at the end of the conversation he's like but Jesus Christ did it for me and that's that's the point that's the whole nothing mm-hmm. else matters outside of that and so I have some people in my my family that that's where they're falling and yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say oh God's not working in your life because you're a part of the LES church that's that's not that's not been my experience certainly and and I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with somebody, well, you don't believe in the right Jesus because I have these different points of, I mean, that's at the end of, at the end of our conversation, you're, you're coming down to the, that's, that's the conclusion you're coming to. I think there's definitely wrong, false information around that. And um, certainly, but, and then I, I even thinking about one of the kids, one of my best friends growing up in high school, he did go on a mission and, um, when he was, when he was contemplating whether he was going to go, cause he was kind of unsure, uh, he went up and spent some time and with some other family and hung out in the mountains and things that we did when we were a kid. And he came back and he was telling me about, um, just sitting on the side of this mountain trying to pray and seek whether he should go and, and on his mission. And, and he, uh, and he, he, came back and he was telling me about it. She said, just, it hit me so hard. Like Jesus Christ died for me. I I just realized when I was sitting up there, like, and he was so excited. He was like, I I just never have realized before that, that he died for me. And I was definitely not at that point in my life. And so I was kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, he died for everybody, but can I look back on his experience and be like, oh, there's no way that you could have got that because because your Jesus, yeah. your God was a man and became God and, and, and all these and add all this baggage to that and say, well, you clearly you didn't have an experience. I, I feel like that would be that would be wrong. So, yeah, you can pursue truth from there, like you said. But, um, yeah, but to just well, say that you couldn't have met God is, I think, I think wrong. Yeah, well, that's 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 good, and I, I can I I know that there will be from the things that both of us just said, uh, uh, there will be concern about that, and I, I can already I can already I know there will be people saying saying, well, you need to make clear that their Mormonism is teaching a false Christ, and I'm not. I, I, it, there's so many nuances to this and, and it'd take an entire, you know, <laughs> video of us discussing this, I think, to <laughs> to unpack fully, at least what what I'm saying, what I hear you saying is that, you know, I just think that when when Jesus was here, you you didn't see him saying, oh, look, that that group over there, they have it all wrong. And so not one of them has any sort sort of relationship with God that group over there is wrong. That group's wrong. You know, the Pharisees are wrong. The Sadducees are wrong. Uh, uh, but the group that's got it right is, is this group over here. And so if you get in that group, then you're fine. You're good to go. And yeah, God's with you. It's like, he would just, he, he completely leveled the playing field. And, and there were some Pharisees who came to him and were having, you know, I think interactions, like real interactions and having things actually happening in their heart, God moving in their heart. And, there were, he, he would, uh, you know, just all these different groups. I'm trying to think of the, uh, like Samaritans, these, these people that, that, you know, 
the religious people of the day, the ones who thought they had it right, would look at and say, well, these people, you know, there's no way the Samaritans, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, you know, these are the people that God's God's distanced from because they're not doing it right. They don't have it right. We do. God's with us, but he's definitely not with these these nasty people, you know. That that I guess that whole mentality that kind of goes back to this, like how I think religious structures that have issues at the core make these just hard lines where they think that you know God is showing up in within the context of their their doctrines and their system, but he's not working in the lives of these other people. And so that's not none of that is to to, to commend or or give approval to Mormonism the system to to Latter-day Saint doctrine, or even to the information that they give about Jesus. It's just to say that I think God is big enough to hear the prayer of a Mormon sitting on a hill, pondering and thinking about the fact that Jesus died for him, and to have an actual encounter by the Spirit with God. And now that doesn't mean that God is just in the same way that when we have those moments as, as, as evangelical Christians, we'll have these experiences with God in the midst of having, I mean, are you going to look at me and tell me that you don't, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I don't have just as much baggage and junk that needs removed from my life than that Mormon sitting on the hill with theological doctrinal baggage. I mean, I, I would be I, I, very hesitant to explain to you all the baggage that I come with. And, and, and even just doctrinally, I think there's a lot of, there'd be a lot of ignorance to think that all of us, you know, God is only with us when we've got all of our doctrine fully lined up and, and right. we've got all that. So like, we're all, we all have blind spots. And, and so none of this is, again, I don't, I don't hear you. And I'm definitely not saying that Mormonism is, is promoting uh, you know, that there's, that's the truth and that all the information and doctrines are fine and it's not an issue. I'm just saying that I think God is big enough to meet people where they're at, even if that's somebody who is still within the context of Mormonism. God is able to show up, move them with his spirit, speak to them, show them things. And, and, and you know, and I trust him to be able to to lead people out of Mormonism and into um, deeper truths and, and more accurate doctrines, uh, you know, if and when that is what he wants to do. But um, No, I 100 percent agree. And I I it's it's almost disappointing that somebody would hear. I think what either one of us have been saying and take that in a direction to be like, oh, you're affirming the LDS truth like that's. Yeah. I, I, that's not at all. That's not at all what I'm hearing from you. And that's certainly not what I'm trying to portray. I, it, I just, like you said, I think the heavens declare the glory to God. Um, I think, yeah. uh, I think that God is, is made himself known through what he's made and he is actively talking to us. And that's in every, in all situations. I mean, mm -hmm. he's, he's not hidden himself from us. Um, so we're, we're hiding from him. And so, yeah, that's saying not not saying that uh, that there's there that's right or correct or or you can find God through whatever path or whatever. It's just that He is active. He's 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 an active participant in our lives, and He's yeah. Um, 
I think, I, well, all the time I say that God is in the business of reaching people and saving people. And that's, yeah. I think he's, he's working on all of us our whole life. So, and we're all going to be a process. And like you said, you know, the, the baggage that I have and the things that I'm still trying to work through and, and whatever I expect that's going to last the rest of my life. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, I won't know this side of glory. I won't have answers to any of those questions, but yeah, the good news is that he meets us and walks with us, embraces us, not, not after we've got rid of all the issues and the baggage, whether doctrinal or, or otherwise, he comes, he comes and meets the humble, those who fear the Lord, those who ask, seek, knock, he will meet, meet us where we're at. And I think he put that very well. I mean, just the, that he's active, he's just that active working that he's doing in all of our lives. And it, it makes me think of the, I think it's Paul and Acts who talks about how God is not far from any of us. And I think he even starts to quote like the great poets or something like that. But he, he, he says that God is not far from any of us. And basically that he's, uh, you know, put us all in the time and place that he's put us. And in him, we live and move and have our being. And his, he says like, in hopes that men will reach out and like grasp for him, you know, because he's not far from any of us. And so I think there's, that's something that just this mentality that I think a shift that happened in me. And, and I think is, is a healthy shift where even looking at people within the context of Mormonism to be able to look at them and know, I, I believe I have confidence that it's, it's not up to me to go in and convince them of something, to change their mind, to show them how wrong they are. I think what, what is a better way is to look at that person and say, this is somebody that God loves and in, who, and in whose life God is already actively working, doing things. And so how can I, how can I get like, how can I get in tune with, with God, what God is already doing? How can I tune in to like the station, the radio station where God's already saying things to this person in their lives and just kind of get on board with and participate in the work God is already doing. And I think instead, so much of us think that it's God's not doing anything and we have to go convince this person to go and get to God and to, to clean them up and get all this doctrine off of them so that God will even let them in the house. And instead, like, I think if we we're seeing the correct picture, we'd see no God is there already. And what God is doing with us is he's inviting us to come in and, and, you know, be, be Christ in their life and to participate in that work that God is already doing. And it's, that's what, I mean, Jesus said, I, I only do what I see the father doing. And he said, my father is always working. And so Jesus was able to get in tune with, with what God was and was not doing. And he knew what, you know, what he never said the same thing to every person. He never just said, oh, here's, I'm going to die for your sins. I'm going to resurrect the third day, believe and be baptized and you'll be saved. Like how many times did Jesus say that? Not, not very many. Uh, he, every person was different because he knew that every person, whether it was the tax collector or, or the fisherman or the, the prostitute, all of them had, God was doing different things and had them in different places in their lives. And, and it's, I just think that there's a mentality shift that should happen in, in a sense and, and needed to happen in me, at least in, in those who are com coming into more of like an apologetic approach 
to, to recognize that God is already doing stuff in the lives, even of Mormons. <laughs> um, it, it, and so, so any, anyways, that's uh, 100%. I 100% agree. So, yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm sorry for anybody who's going to take that wrong, and <laughs> I, I know that. Yes, I'd be happy to. I'm just clarify. preemptively knowing they will. <laughs> some will, some will, not all, but there will be those, those who will shout heresy, and I, I mean, you're just well, going to have those. Those. Hopefully, you can. I don't know. Just help people have that. God is big. He's he's yeah. big and he's powerful, and he knows the thoughts and intentions of our heart, and not. It's so. It's. Yeah, he's he's bigger than the Mormon Church, and he's bigger than any cult. And he's—I mean, he's so so. Yeah, I, I try to. I, I guess I just—that's the way that I take some of how he's revealed himself in his word is that he he is working, and that he's he's bigger than I can imagine. And those things yeah. that that seem so obvious in black and white, um, God knows why you're there and why you think that way, and why you so so he's not he's not gonna look at one belief and oh in my opinion and be like oh well you certainly can't be one of mine because you have this one false thing or whatever we, we all hold on to that that i don't i don't think that there we're gonna have to go through a a doctrinal exam at the gates of heaven and if we yeah. pass we're allowed in yeah yes no no i agree <laughs> and i i agree and again this this could be it uh, a whole discussion. I think there's so many questions that would arise here. And, and well, what do you mean by that? And how does that work with this? And, and so maybe, maybe a, a conversation that um, for, for another video, but I think that's, you're making a lot of great points and, and all that really, I think you summarize well and just saying God is big. He's bigger than we can imagine. And sometimes I think our imaginations of God and what he's like, particularly in who he, he, who he loves, who he does not love, and how he's working in lives. Uh, I, I think our imaginations are very small and constricted. Um, and may he give us light and, and revelation to see the bigger picture. Um, because I don't, I, I'm right at there too. I don't often see the, the full picture. But so I guess like back back to your story. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this this is all me. I'm. <laughs> um what um what were some of the things then that started to make you question like what did was it doctrinal issues you started to see you you mentioned in the the seminary you started to see contradictory things and so what what was uh what were some of those things um i guess the the very the one that sticks out the most prominent one in my mind that i i that i think is is uh was the first the first thing I remember? Um, church history was one of the first or second years that I was in seminary. We went over, and uh, so I was I was still pretty active, pretty attentive, and <clears throat> and at some point, um, I remember learning that that when Joseph Smith got the revelation and and he began the the one true church on earth again and and all of these things um at some point in that he he had said that the line of prophets was going to be through his was going to be all smith so it was going to be through him that the the new line of prophets were going to 
we're going to be on earth. And, um, and so, um, as we progressed through history and then, um, when Joseph Smith died and Brigham Young became the new, the new, uh, the next prophet, Mm -hmm. I remember the, our teacher saying there was like a group of fundamentalists that, uh, that split off because they were holding to Joseph Smith's original teaching that, that his sons were going to be the next prophets and, and that was going to continue in his line. And I remember thinking like, he, he did say that. And so I thought, would I have been a fundamentalist? Like, uh, because we just, we just learned last week or whatever, you know, that, that he did say that it was going to happen. And so, um, that, that really started like, well, how does, how does that work? There, there was a mm-hmm. big, I, if I'm going to believe that like my whole core belief is based on Joseph Smith being a prophet that reinstated the, the, the true church in its, you know, form that God had intended. And he had said that the, the prophet, the line of prophets are going to continue through his sons. I was, I just remember it, it kind of like everything that I just feel like everything froze in that moment. And I just sat there going, but you, at the same time, you're telling me that the fundamentalists are, are wrong because, because they followed what Joseph Smith said and he was the true prophet. So, um, that was like the, the beginning. When I look back, that was like the beginning of the end for me. Mm-hmm. So that was just something that contradictory information that was, you just couldn't, it was too big maybe to like sweep under the rug as, as maybe you'd done before. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and it was, and it might've been even some of the first, you know, contradict contradictory information that I, that I had received, even I was still, I was still probably only 14 or 15 at the time. And so, um, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't, a, I mean, I, it was one of those things that you kind of just file away and, um, I don't know how that works. And, and later on that they'll say that they had this, him and when him and Brigham Young met, there was this moment and Joseph Smith said he was going to be the next prophet. And so, um, yeah, you, I guess you kind of just go, I don't know how that works together, but, um, all the people that I respect and love and, and are teaching me are, are telling me that this is the way that I'm supposed to go. And so, yep. <laughs> so I will, so there I you just, go. yeah, I will just follow it. But that yeah. was that was sort of the thing that that really looking back that that stuck in my craw and um, okay. So where did you go from there? What were the how did how did that progress? I don't know. So um, I don't know that I, I can't think of any specific uh, other specific things. Um, I know I like to we like to dive into deep and weird things that that we believed you know and so it it's uh, i guess for me personally it wasn't it's not about like oh i can't believe things that are don't make sense or distasteful or you know whatever it was just just trying to make all the pieces fit and so just a couple of friends that i had we would go ahead and dive deeper and deeper and, and when we would ask questions i remember being 
I remember being told like, it's all right to look into these things, but you, you can't let them overwhelm you. I remember very specifically, it was the early days of the internet, but I remember very specifically being told that Satan controls information outside of the church. And so mm. looking on the internet, I mean, we heard stories about um, people that they would get going down a road and then and looking at things online and, and false information and just be breaking down and questioning everything and, and couldn't handle it. And, and that was because Satan was in control of those other means of information. And so I needed to go to the library that was in the church and I was welcome to look at all of those books and that information. But, um, but kind of, if it wasn't there, if my answers weren't there, then maybe I just needed to not worry about that so much. And, and so it's, that's why personally, I, I don't know. I feel like it's different. Um, I feel like there's, I know there's points. I've, I've been on the inside with, with family where they'll discuss things they don't understand with uh, changes in the temple ceremonies and, and, and things like that. That um, So they see some of these contradictions, but don't necessarily continue to explore those but uh but then kind of to the outside it, it's it's presented as more i don't think you would have those discussions about well i don't understand how can we change the temple ceremony with people that were not lds because then you're just yeah. more prone to confuse them and send them to a source that's going to steer them away from the, the church mm -hmm. so out, outside information is kind of presented as dangerous and and harmful and it and was to literally me something it was to you yeah and i so i hate to try to you know to be to be as ecumenical as possible and, and just in yeah, my, yes, in my experience right. that was that was the case yeah and yeah and that's that's why i i really try to when i do the woman missionaries still chase me down once in a while and i always try to leave them with that that First, I think we I said we started with, but prove all things and hold fast with true. That mm. that is biblical. You're you're allowed to ask all the questions and mm -hmm. and look everywhere for answers and figure out what's true and hold on to the truth. Yeah, if the, if the truth is so fragile that it can't handle you taking it into these different places and letting other information, contrary ideas, like come against it. You're so, you know, if you're so concerned that your truth is, you know, too fragile to handle that and that's dangerous and that could harm, harm your truth, uh, then that's, you know, I, I just think like you're saying, like test all things, hold fast to what is good. Like there's a, a boldness that anybody who has the truth should have in, in being able to go out and face anything, any information, any contrary opinion. Uh, or, or supposed contradiction or evidence, you know, and, and what, you know, this isn't like you're, you're making clear to say this is your experience. And it's, this is something that is not, <clears throat> I mean, this at the end of the day, this is information control is what, I mean, that's what this is textbook information control. It's using fear and, and manipulation to keep people, you know, only, only viewing the world through the information that you're filtering to them. And so you use fear not, and sometimes not intentionally. I don't think people, I think there's some people who genuinely believe Satan will 
deceive you and manipulate you if you go out and look at the information in the world, you know. And so this is something that shows up in whether the Shinchanji uh, group, that is the South Korean, another group that I've interviewed some members on the channel, the World Mission Society Church of God, they call both of these groups call the Internet, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you eat of it, you will surely die is, is, you know, that's how they that's how they keep members from going and and searching it out. Because, you know, I think these groups are a little bit more more intentional and um, in, in their manipulation there, because I think they know there is they don't want people to know the facts that are at the bottom of, of their organizations. But but I you know, I just talked to a, a former Calvinist who in his experience, he had the same, he had the same thing where, where it maybe wasn't as, you know, explicit, but there were, there were certainly things communicated to him about the danger of going to non-Calvinist sources. And, and, and it becomes, you, you then sort of begin to exist in this bubble uh, where he would even describe, you know, as just reformed teachers were all he would listen to. And, and he, you can't even listen to those, who have differing opinions. And so this is, this is not a Mormon LDS problem. This is a, this is a human problem. This is a problem that happens when humans are not operating in the kingdom of God, but operating in fear. Yeah, no, I, and I certainly think, I mean, I don't, I don't think that our, our seminary teacher was, <clears throat> was in any way trying to maliciously control I mean, yeah. she sincerely, she sincerely believed. I remember just, you know, hearing the stories of a couple of people that had gone down that road and, and it just, it just almost destroyed their faith. And, and, and it was, it was, it was an honest desire to be sure and preserve your faith. And you don't, mm -hmm. you don't want to see that get broken. So, yeah, I, I don't think that, I don't think that it was, um, there may be that, on some deeper level, I, I I think that that does exist through some of the actions of the LDS Church as a as a whole. But I don't. I mean, they're they're genuine, real people that are involved, and in, and they're not my seminary teacher. I mean, it's I it's one of the one of the ladies that I grew up with. Spent most of the time teaching us. I knew her well. She loved us. She was a she still is a really great person and. So yeah, she wasn't like, oh, I don't want you to find out the truth or, or I know this is wrong and I don't want that for you. I mean, she honestly didn't want to see her faith destroyed. And, and yeah. so it, it, it came from a good. Well-intended place. Yeah, Well-intended yeah. place. Yeah. 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 I think they, and that often does, uh, I think in many people it is, it's people can start to, you know, walk in these behaviors but they're they are doing it from a well-intended place and, and it's not as like you said it's not malicious it's not intentional very often and in some cases you know i think in i think an argument could be made in like the in particular groups like the world mission society church of god at least at, at the higher levels of leadership i think there is there's some deception and intentional uh you know money and power seeking sort of motivations is, is, is how I would at least, you know, from the information I've, I've seen about them. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of what I, I get from groups like that, but 
So with, um, with the questions that you had, the contradictions you began to see, did you present those to anybody, to, to, you know, parents, to church leaders? And, and if so, like, what was the response? I don't think outside of the, outside of that seminary environment, I don't really remember. I mean, um, I had a couple of friends that we would talk a little bit about those kind of things and, um, but not, not really. It's not like, it's not like I went to, to our local leadership and, and tried to work through any of the issues that I had in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure to my some to some extent my parents were aware, um, but it was not. It wasn't like um, I suppose if I had, had been a little bit older, I guess, and I and had more time of making that my own and and needing to needing to really work through some of those. Um, it was kind of I kind of just became more distant. I kind of went on to the the inactive. Mormon list, and so I was not really involved, but I was still would have called myself a Mormon. Um, so mm -hmm. um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't have an experience where I, I went and tried to work through that outside of that. Okay. Yeah. So what? Kind of take us through leaving then. So you had the you had the contradictions come up, the things that you just couldn't push out of your mind. So what what happened then to get you to the point of saying you know to basically that point of saying, I'm not LDS, I'm not Mormon anymore. This isn't, I can't believe this were embraces. Um, what, what kind of got you there ultimately? The, uh, I think, I think more, it was more of a kind of a, just that process of, of just distancing, distancing myself from it. Um, I ended up, so in the interim, I guess I, I ended up, I got married and, and, and had a kid and my, my first, my daughter. And so there was a lot of life happening in the meantime. And I kind of just wasn't involved. I wasn't there. My wife grew up a Christian. So we would have our own debates. Um, mm -hmm. You could call them that arguments might be a better word. Um, but so, so we would talk about, we would talk about those things. Um, and, and I guess over a period of years, I kind of, I guess the, when I look back, the part that I, the part that I had unraveled in my mind, I had gotten through the, this is the only true church part of, part of my, is there a better word than brainwashing? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want I'm not trying indoctrination. To, yeah, no, I, I, I get here. Yeah. But but that's I mean, oh, like I said, over and over and over your whole life, Joseph Smith is a true prophet. This is the only true church. And so I got to the point where uh, I'm OK with that not being the only true church. Uh, I think stage two that a lot of a lot of ex-Mormons don't realize is um, is then no church can be true. And so that's on more of a subconscious level. It's kind of a, a reaction to the first premise. Well, then if that was the only true church, and I believe that so strongly, then no other church can be true. And so I guess for, 
a period of time, I, I, I probably would have said maybe I was atheist, agnostic, or, or something. Probably not even agnostic. I was, you know, I was put off of that. But it was a pretty short period in my life. So, but I feel like I had to go through that because because of the the secondary layer of that indoctrination. Yep. Um, this is the only true church, so no other church can be true. So there must not be a God. Um, and I kind of had to work through both of those issues. And and I remember reading it's it's a really some 85, 89% of of ex-Mormons um wind up in uh believing that they're an atheist. Um unfortunately I don't think you can accurately be more than an agnostic, but that's just kind of my personal yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think that they, but I think it's cause they, they get out of that and they think that they've, that they've got out of that indoctrination by, I no longer believe that's the one true church and, and kind of fail to recognize that the undercurrent of that, the second layer, I guess, if you will, is, is that no other church can be true. And that's still, that's you think that you've undone your your Mormon indoctrination when you get to that point, but you kind of have to go through, just keep going, and and then realize, oh, the, I I still believe that no other church can be true because of that. This is the only true church indoctrination, and and so um, it's not like uh, it's not like I'm proud to say I, I was an atheist that at one point or anything, but, um, but I think it was a necessary step to, to be able to go get to the point where I realized that's, that's why I believe this way is still because of my roots in Mormonism or in the LDS church. That, that is a great point. And it, it's very interesting to me that you say that because the, probably the, the primary most common question I get, or at least one of the most common question I get from members of the World Mission Society Church of God Church, members that come out of this or, or are, are hearing me tell them that this church isn't true. One of the most common questions is, well, if this isn't true, what is, you know, where, what, you know, what church, what church has the truth then? And, and it's that same, that same mentality that has been so, you know, something that I can't, I can't even personally really um, relate to very much like that. When I see that question, it's, it's such a bizarre, strange question to me, but to those who have been so deeply ingrained for years that this, this is the true church. And again, that, that clear black and white distinction being made between true God is here. This is where God is. And this is where God is pleased with this. Everything else outside of that is Satan, false deception, danger, you know, and, and so, yeah, I can imagine how that would be just so difficult to, you know, to get to deconstruct that way of thinking, because it is like you said, what members, what, whether it's whatever organization you're coming out of who have that, what, what they don't realize is exactly what you just said is that that's still, you know, they think they've they've realized that what they just came from isn't the truth. But then when they come out and they say, say things like that, like, well, then no other church is true. What they're doing is they're still affirming the very doctrine and teaching that they just, they're, they're thinking that they're leaving and not realizing that what they're even in saying that that's so 
deeply rooted in so many assumptions, you know, whether it's LDS assumptions or WMSCOG assumptions, uh, you know, it's just these are assumptions of those particular doctrines that you're still affirming when you say things like that. So great. Yeah, that's a great point that I think many people uh, will be able to relate to whether, whether you know, in these different uh, organizations. Well, that's good because it, 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 it breaks my heart a little bit. And I, you can look at the, the statistic um, it, when whatever it is. I know it's I know it's a pretty astronomically high number of people that wind up atheists. And, and coming out of that, I can look at that and, and see like I see that they think they've undone that thinking and they're still they're still affirming it. They're still stuck in that same way of thinking. And, and um, yeah, yeah, if if somebody could hear that and realize like maybe i am still holding on to that and, and continue to work some of those through some of those issues i think that would that would make this worth it right there just somebody can yeah. realize and and just keep keep thinking their way through it and yeah absolutely so what what were like what was the difficulty did was it i mean i i guess i can't assume i'm i'm just assuming that it probably was there was at least some difficulty in leaving Mormonism, whether relationally, emotionally, I mean, what, what was that process like? Um, and, and how did you, how did you get through that? I think I distinctly remember, I mean, trading in your entire worldview is definitely a life changing event. And so, um, I remember that, I mean, you're kind of, and, and then thinking that you've, you thinking that you've worked through that issue and traded in my worldview. And so maybe there isn't a God at all. And I'm kind of getting settled there and then trading it in again. Um, that process is, is unsettling. I mean, mm -hmm. um, unconsciously we view so much of the world through that, that it kind of puts you in a, place where your, your question, I don't even know what's real. Um, and so that process is, was certainly unsettling. I don't, I can't think of, I didn't have a lot of, um, some of my, some of my friends that I grew up with went on missions, So they were gone for two years. So even, even my best friend that I was the closest to, we, we just, he had two years of a, pretty, you just change a lot in that period of your, your life. And so we, we never really connected a lot. Um, so some of that was, but almost to be expected, I guess, because you just spent so much time apart. So I didn't have a lot of relations. My, my family for the most part was still my family. Um, and so I, I didn't, there wasn't a lot of relationships and things that I, that I felt like all of a sudden these people are being distant from me or Mm -hmm. that I that I lost out and had to struggle through in that way and and they didn't um it's kind of interesting because my sister left near the same she was younger than me so when when we we kind of all stopped going uh, around the same time or being I uh, being involved in the church around the same time and um and her experience was quite different than mine I don't know if it's just because I was a young man and everybody knew I was just people that knew me probably had an idea. I was going to be pretty pig headed and not wouldn't be persuaded to, to 
come back or, or something. But um, my sister's experience was very different. And she, she had some, I mean, they showed up at her house. They, they tried to, at one point they were, they were trying to talk to her essentially just to get her to, to at least listen so they could talk through whatever issue she might've been having. Um, she said, Hey, I'm done. I've had enough and tried to shut the door. And somebody put a foot in their door, in her door to just, I guess, keep the conversation going to, to be mm -hmm. as polite as possible about that. Um, but, but none of that, none of that happened with me. And I, I, I just, I don't know. They did pursue me. I had the missionary show up at my house several different times over the years. Um, and there were kind of awkward experiences because they had obviously gotten some kind of information about who I was and what was going on in my life. Um, I remember, uh, I was, I was playing guitar with my brother-in-law in the garage. And so the garage was opened up and we were playing and the, the missionaries came up and Hey, and introduced themselves. And I try to be polite to them because I know just growing up in there, and there's a lot of people that are not polite to missionaries when they show up for their door. Yep. So I was trying to be pretty polite. And, uh, this, this one kid says, I didn't know you played guitar. And I was just, stunned i mean i just like somebody like filled you in on who i was and what was going on in my life and you just walked up and were like i didn't know you played guitar um that was just a really so i guess <laughs> completely awkward um uh initiation <laughs> of a conversation um right so so there was there was some pursuit there was some effort even now that i lived in oregon at the time i now i live in wyoming um occasionally that the Mormon missionaries will will show up and and want to talk and um so i guess there's some level of pursuit but but not near what i know does happen to, to some other people yeah yeah so you what like you you went through these transition periods then and what led you from that point of um there is no god you know and if this church isn't true then no church is true like how how did you go from there to theism i do believe in god um and there is still truth out there to be discovered well, I think that the, the reality of that situation is God didn't give up on me. And so um, he was still working in my life that whole time. So um, my, my wife, like it, she had just grown up an evangelical Christian. Um, and so I would often, most of the time, I would I went to church with her. And, um, and so I, I think I was still... I was still hearing truth from somewhere. And I think God was still working on me through circumstances in my life. I mean, ultimately what happened was um, because, because life is hard and marriage is hard. And, and I was working through some of those issues. And, and um, I remember having this, uh, I was in a, a text based discussion with my wife for a good portion of the day and we were having a disagreement and and i remember thinking specifically that like we we really need to go to a marriage counselor or something 
And I thought to myself, man, she's going to make me go see a pastor or a Christian marriage counselor and old brother. And, and uh, I started thinking through like, how's that going to go? And what's he going to say? And, and all of a sudden um, I second Corinthians two, I think it's 15, maybe 17, but uh, that, that we're new creations in Christ I, that all of a sudden um, I realized that my wife was a new creation in Christ, that I could be a new creation in Christ. And, and it just, I guess probably some pieces that I was already juggling in my head really just, just came together right then. And, um, and almost, I mean, it just broke me down. I remember I text my wife shortly after that. I was, I was like tearing up and I was driving so I couldn't crash. That would have been bad. But, um, but when I, I remember I text my wife, I think I just got saved and, uh, and, I don't really know what that's kind of the climax. I don't really know where to go from that. But um, but I guess looking back, I can see that, that all those things and, and the, even the points of my life where I was struggling to work through that, that God was working in that and, and talking to me and working on me. And uh, ultimately, that that was the thing that spoke to me was I don't I didn't know I couldn't have looked that verse up in the Bible without yeah. an internet connection at the time. But I, I just remember specifically thinking um, I was having trouble with with our past and, and just, you know, reconciling our lives and, and just thinking that, oh, it's a, some pastor is going to tell me that I can be a new creation in Christ. And all of a sudden that was the most important thing in the world to me. Like, I, wow, my wife is, is a new creation and, and I can be created new in Christ and he can remake our marriage and, and all, all these things that uh, I didn't even realize I'd, I'd been struggling with. And so I guess that's what it ultimately came down to. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's really cool. Uh, it's just like the the power of God's word, and, and and you know, word. When we think of word of God, we often think of like this this book, which is not not to say this isn't the word of God. But what what was the word of God for you in that situation? It's like he he took this this truth, and it's like the word of God is living and active sharper than a two-edged sword dividing between soul and spirit so it's like that word just did that division in you between soul and spirit so you could you could see um yeah that, that's 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 a very cool story um and i think the the cool thing to hear there and to see is just how god is you know he was working in you and was with you throughout that entire process not not abandoning you in your in your time of of doubt or even the atheism and, and just wanting to throw it all away you know uh i think it's just it makes it's totally legitimate that people that come out of these things get to that point and i think many of them need to walk through some aspect of that to to be able to even process that there is perhaps a different way to look at the bible or to look at god uh, but he doesn't leave you, you know, in the middle of that. But I think if think if we will, um, 
humble ourselves before him, you know, like it says, and he will lift you up. Um, and so in that process, I think the, the hardest thing that I've realized, even I've, I've had my own deconstruction uh, process and, and, in, and still like, I, I, I don't think it's something that once you start asking the questions, I think you just realize so many things unravel. And, uh, and so it's, a, it's something that's a scary process to be willing to ask, you know, is my entire way of looking at the world wrong? Um, but I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy to ask questions and I think it allows us to get, get free from these, you know, I think so many people don't realize how chained we can become to just these firm dogmatic theological systems. And that's not to say that doctrine and theology is not important, but just to say that I think, uh, sometimes we elevate these things above God and we, th we just, begin to make shrink God down into, into so that he fits inside our, our neat doctrinal box that we've created. And then when we see that there's an issue there, you know, there's an issue with a part of that doctor and it, it you know, it, it can devastate our, our whole life. And so I think we have to, yeah, there's an honesty that comes with being willing to ask questions and to um, say, God, I want, you know, trust that he's, he's going to be with us in the midst of that. And he's big enough to handle the most difficult, uh, scary questions that we could possibly, you know, have the biggest doubts we could possibly have. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he'll stick with us through that and, and he will bring us to the other side, which he did for you. Yeah, most certain, most certainly. And, and I think what was, what was, uh, um, it had to have been it had to have been pretty shocking for my wife i i really disliked disliked the term saved it just i think when i when i grew up i was um the 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 christian kids you know um i didn't they, there was kind of a there was oh you you should be saved and you're not saved because you're mormon and, and different things um yeah. And, and, and so i yeah i really kind of that uh kind of that very propositional um view of christianity that even though i went to church and there was pictures of jesus all over in the church and whatever then i i you know couldn't possibly have been so i was i was like vehemently against being saved. And so, um, when I, when I think back on sending my wife a text after we've been fighting for over, I mean, arguing, disagreeing over text for, uh, a pretty good period of time, all of a sudden out of the blue, um, I think I just got saved. Um, it was a, it was a huge, yeah, it was a huge shift in my thinking, but yeah. So how did your wife, what, what was her response to that? Um, she was she was excited i i know she saved that she she saved that text and had it on had that phone for a long time after and um and i don't think that she still does anymore um i don't i don't think she still does but she she that was a that was a she was pretty excited and and i know that she'd been been praying for me and working on me and i mean she she certainly had that that point of of making her faith her own um 
probably while we were married, but like she, she was, she was there and, and really I'm sure missing, uh, having a husband who could, could, and was willing to lead her in, in her, in her spiritual journey. And, um, so she was, she was definitely excited. That was a, yeah, yeah, I imagine. So, so how did, how did things change? Do you feel like that in your life that transitioned into, you know, did positive things result from that in your marriage and, and just in your life in general? Yeah. Coming back to God. Yeah. You know, it did. um, It's, it settled a lot of the issues that, that we had and, and not, not, uh, I guess not permanently because she'll, she'll watch this and she knows the rest of the history, but, um, but, but overall, I think it did. I, I think it, it really started softening my approach to things. Um, uh, I know at one point my dad had told me that, that he really felt like there was a significant change in, um, especially how I treated my children. Um, so I think it did. I mean, at the time I was, 23 24 ish and um and man i thought everything everything changed and then now having being further along i can look back and see like how little my life had changed and and you know i feel like i've i've grown so much since then and had and had more of of those experiences where god really was just like it's time to level up and and uh and you need to grow up in that process and and so yeah, I mean, at the time, it, it felt like everything changed. Um, yeah, maybe not as much to the outside, but but in, inside my heart for sure. Yeah. So, what about your views then of God? Like, how have those changed? Like, you know, and that's that that that's a that's a very broad question, obviously, and and a bit open ended. But I, I guess more in terms of like, you know, you're coming out of Mormonism thinking that, okay, well that, that's not right. That version of God and the gospel of what Christianity is all about. That's not correct. Moving to, okay, none of it's true. More of an atheistic perception of the world. And then into, I do believe in God. And so I'm just like, what, um, what, what's different now, I guess, about the way you think about God, how you think about the, the gospel, I guess, Christianity. Um, again, I know this is a very broad question, so take it whatever direction uh, you want. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Those are, those are a couple of, of very different um, trying to come up trying to like this is this is the question that saturday or sunday i will be like oh that's i know that's yeah yeah (laughs) um you can opt out of questions too i'm not i'm not uh, (laughs) and i'm not trying to i think there's a lot there i'm just trying to i'm trying to i guess think back to to what then because i I didn't i wasn't focused on like oh this is different um it it was more Mm -hmm. of a it was more, even even in my time as as a Mormon, um, believing that God was there. It was um, 
it was more of a, a deistic view of God that, that he was there and he was real, but was he personally interested in Justin Stewart? Um, you know, not necessarily. I didn't, it wasn't, I mean, we prayed for services and meals and, and things all the time, but there, there was not, um, it, I didn't feel, I don't feel like in my experience that there was as much of a personal, um, God, I can pray for things that are going on in my life and issues that I'm working through and, and whatever. And he wasn't as personally involved. I, I would, I guess to try to put myself back in, in that place, you know, two decades ago or whenever, um, that, that would, that was like a big change from what I was used to. Yeah. I felt like, I felt like after, after I had come to that point, like, God was very interested in me and what was going on in my life and helping me work through those things. And, um, and that was different than the idea of God that I had grown up with. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is a question I wanted to ask earlier and I don't know, I may even cut this one out cause I, I'm not positive. I want to include this part, but I, I'm curious, like if as in terms of like, you know, Mormonism is often defined as a cult um, in, in the category of a, you know, uh, a cult like with groups like the World Mission Society Church of God or, or Jehovah's Witness or, you know, what, all these groups that are kind of put in this this um, box. And so I'm, I'm wondering what, like from your perspective, and when I think of cult too, when I use that word in this context, I'm thinking in terms of more of a uh, behavior and, you know, tactics sort of approach, not necessarily even like doctrinal, but do you, would you see, or can you think back to experiences you had within the LDS church that now you can look back and recognize more as like, like controlling, like mind control or, uh, manipulation, you know, uh, information control. Um, I mean, just that sort of more of the psychological, uh, aspect of it than the doctrinal. Um, do you feel like you can see or can recognize any of those elements? So I think, I think I do. Um, I do see some of those, some of those kinds of things. Um, I don't know if there's more from my own experience other than, than what I did share that, you know, there are places that we don't look to search for truth, but there are some, but I, I do know that some of the things that, that kind of aren't talked about, aren't talked about that, uh, that have, I, I think I mentioned that the, the temple ceremony and things they had changed up a little bit. I don't have personal experience with that. So I can't, I can't say, but I've heard, I've heard people in my, in my family to not put anybody on the spot. If they do, this does make it, but, um, but talk about kind of within, within their inner circle, like, why do you think they changed that or, or, you know, this was supposed to be perfectly outlined by God. And that doesn't make sense that they would change that. And then, um, and then had other people in that 
inner circle just kind of denied that it had ever happened. Like, I don't, that that's the way that the ceremony has always been. And, and in those inside that circle, like everybody had been through the temple and, and knew what was happening there. And so they should have all been on the same page, whether, whether it had changed or not, you know? And, um, so, it, but I don't know where that was coming from. And, and it's kind of outside my experience, just, just having so much family that's in the LDS church. I've yeah. Just yeah. So that there, there, there is certainly a level of we don't talk about it and expound on why this may have happened and and we're just not going to focus our attention on that so um but yeah i think as far as as far as um you know just manipulation in general i i think not on a malevolent level you know telling telling stories of somebody else who almost had to leave the church because they were searching the internet for answers to things and that that in itself is not necessarily conscious manipulation but it, it is manipulation mm -hmm. um so so on and i've experienced that that much but not not necessarily in a in a malevolent way So what, um, I guess to kind of close this out here, um, what would you, thinking about other Mormons, people in the LDS church who are maybe on the verge of leaving, like what, what would you say to them maybe as a way of encouragement or advice, um, any any thoughts that you might have toward those who are even potentially watching this and thinking, yeah, I, you know, I can relate to to some of that, seeing contradictions and and feeling the need to you know brush them under the rug or, or to not really think through the things that I'm I'm giving my entire life to. Um, I guess what I guess what would you say, yeah, to to those people. An, um, another very open-ended question. I think that, uh, I think I would say, I mean, ask all the questions, ask, ask all the questions. I mean, and I think not that you're necessarily going to get all the answers. I don't know that you probably don't have all the answers. I know that I don't have all of the answers. Um, but I know that God is so much bigger than the questions and, and you should, you are allowed, um, to ask questions. You're allowed to look at everything and, and search for truth everywhere. And, and God is bigger than our questions. And there is even faith in honest doubt. I mean, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. And so, um, so there's there's nothing if you if you're questioning um there's there's even i think there's a sense in which you're in that environment you're you're being told that you, you can't question you shouldn't question and 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 you'll just lose your faith if you do but if you if you look at that from an understanding that um from lord i believe help my unbelief like i i just mm -hmm just want truth and I just want you um, 
And so I, I want to question all these things. And, and I think God will reveal himself to you. If you, I mean, if you seek him with a whole heart, he will reveal himself to you. And I, so I think, um, I think that's an encouragement and that, that, uh, there are, so I guess I'm thinking in terms of that there are answers. There are things that, that do fit together better. I mean, I wouldn't say that, like I said, I don't have, I don't have all the answers to all of my questions now. And, and, um, but, but there are, there are things I was really, really drawn to apologetics for a long time. Um, after coming out of Delia's church, because there was so many, um, I guess apologetic stuff that didn't really seem to fit with, with the world. And we would lean heavily onto things like, well, you know, archeology span can only tell us things that we found. So if we haven't found things yet, we don't know. And, and, and kind of just, we're sure that those things have to be out there somewhere. And, and I was so drawn to apologetics because it made everything so cohesive and it was, it was, uh, you could you we know these cities are there because there's evidences and we know that um we can track you know paul's journey because he went to planted these churches and, and and there's just um i i think that stuff is is really encouraging to to your faith and i think that uh, really getting into um when you start asking those questions a lot of that stuff should be able to have some kind of an answer, you know, rather than, rather than we'll, we'll probably dig up someday, maybe a mound of swords and shields and, and dead horses and from these gigantic battles that allegedly happened. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so I think that, uh, yeah, I think those kind of things, if you, if you really like are looking for truth, there is, there's, physical evidences and there, and there is, um, there's real, real things that, that we can see that happen that the Bible talks about. And there's, there's, um, we're no, we don't just have to imagine. I'm not, I didn't go from, um, belief in a, in a LDS view of God to, that was kind of based on nothing but growing up in it to just a, mystical belief in now the God of only the Bible. Um, there's, there's so much, so many other things that speak into that truth and, and we don't have to have a, a blind faith uh, belief. There's, there is a point where we reach that we do have to have faith from there, but it's, it, it's not blind and ignorant and, and based on somebody else's Wish testimony. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, wishful thinking is great. <laughs> so then for those who have that uh, approach of or that question of, you know, well, if this isn't true, then none of it can be true. Uh, th those who are in that place of like, I guess there is just no God, I guess all religion is false. I mean, would you have any anything to say to those particular people? I think the biggest thing is is recognizing that you're in that not to say that you not to say that you wouldn't be any otherwise so uh, i'm trying to be careful but i think that there's a 
a very reasonable chance that you're you're in that place because of the indoctrination and just recognizing um, that maybe I'm not, you're not thinking, um, you're not necessarily thinking that based on all of your own conclusions. You're you're still affirming a half of or an undercurrent or a, a second layer of that indoctrination. And, um, and if that is where you ultimately are going to be an atheist and, and believe that is true for the rest of your life, which would not be my prayer for any of you. But if you, if you were going to, you, I would think you want to evaluate that truth and come to that truth from completely your own perspective. And so, um, not realizing that you're still affirming uh, a, a part of your indoctrination that you were heard growing up is is you're you're kind of have landed at atheism via Mormonism, and so um, if you're going to be an atheist, then be an atheist because of atheism, and and at least realizing that my my, my thinking is still being strongly influenced from that, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Ultimately, I would also say just just don't stop there. Just keep pursuing God. Like at one at one point, you know, to some extent, you were in church because you were. I I, I guess maybe I'm naive, but I genuinely think that most people go to church in some level they're seeking God, and so mm -hmm. um, don't don't give up on that pursuit because because He's still working in your life and He's still working to reveal himself to you and a lot of a lot of what we do what i do when i or did when i came out of that was um was build up a wall between me and god and i would take things i didn't understand or things that didn't seem to fit and that was like a brick in my wall and i would mortar that sucker in there and i really just i'm i'm cutting myself off from god and and he he is uh He's still there and he's still speaking and he's still working in my life. And, and when you start up, when you start working through those issues, then, then it's a little bit like, well, I, I got to take that brick out cause I've made some sense of that. And, and then I'm, I'm letting a little bit more of that light through. And, uh, and I think that ultimately that's, I think that everybody can do that, but it's, uh, um, not giving up. It's continuing to pursue that. Yeah. And, and what what you experienced was that, you know, encounter, I guess, if you want to call it that, you know, to kind of use more spiritual language here. But but there was that that encounter, that revelation from God that you received, like his word becoming more than, you know, text on a page, but something that it has the capacity and it, and I know what you're talking about because this has happened in my own life. It's, it's not like a, it's not this daily occurrence, but there are these, these times where like, if you, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And, um, you know, like David in, in Psalm 27, he says, I, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage wait for him. And so there is that, that principle you see, you know, all throughout scripture, you see this sort of principles that, um, 
there is that that like that persistence of asking and seeking and knocking and the promise is that we will we will find we will see the goodness of the lord like you had that encounter that was that was seeing you know you were seeing the goodness of the lord in such a way that it impacted it impacted your life i i think um like you 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 said that looking back on it you see that there was obviously still uh growth that that needed to take place but um I just I think that's a promise, something that we can hold on to anybody, where, wherever, whatever position you're in. But like, obviously, right now we're we're speaking to those who have come out of whether Mormonism or any any other system and are just kind of wanting to throw in the towel. And I think that's like, as you said, it's legitimate. I think people get to atheism, and I'm not I'm not casting judgment on those who go there, but more just a. a an encouragement to say, if you are going to go there first, just make sure you're doing it for rational, do it for rational reasons. Don't do it being led by emotion or the influence of this thing that you think that you've completely broken ties with like that. Don't let that and what that, how that influenced you, that thing that you're wanting to completely separate from, don't let that be the cause for your rejection uh, uh, of God or theism, you know, do it for evidential reasons, do it for good reasons. And, and, and for those of you who want to maintain that, you're coming out and you're wanting to maintain that fine relationship with God. So you still believe there is something there to be found. I think that encouragement of, uh, like you shared, just just keeping with it um, and, and that, that waiting, that principle of waiting on the Lord, he will renew your strength. Let your heart take courage because you will see his goodness. His goodness will show up in your life. Um, I don't know why he works in the time time frame that he chooses to, but uh, you know, it's like Peter saying, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in due time. It's not like he'll do it immediately necessarily, but he, he has a way of going about these things um, that we can't understand uh, his time frame. But um, I do have that confidence that he'll show up for those who seek him. Amen. Me too. God is in the business of, he's in the business of reaching people and uh, he knows what he's doing. <laughs>